sitting here in my own house, minding my own business. Where you been? I don't think you can. I've been having a hell of a time. Hello, this is High Camp, the podcast where I try to watch all 406 movies from an out-of-print gay film guide before I die. I'm your host, Brian Rucker, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Ashley Ward. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Good. Thanks for coming over. Thank you for having me. I usually record this podcast either like late morning or evening, and I realize three o'clock in the afternoon for me is like when I have zero energy. <laughs> I'm like trying not to fall the asleep. perfect time. And I ate like a bowl of pasta for lunch today, <laughs> which I knew as I was eating it. I was like, this is not going to be good. I'm going to want to like sleep in a couple hours. And yet I persisted. But now you'll really earn a nap later. You'll feel like, wow, I oh did some stuff. I know. And, and I'm going to be primed. The only thing left on my docket today is to watch uh, the movie Underwater with Kristen Stewart later. So, Oh, okay. Well, good. Um, yeah. I have that to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's your sleep schedule like? What, what, are you like an afternoon person? I Well, I'm more of an afternoon person than a morning person. Okay. I'm like, I, I go to bed pretty late and I wake up on the later side. Yeah. Um, and then lately I've just been real tired all the time and I don't know what's going on and I should probably get it checked out because yeah. <laughs> I'm just suddenly tired constantly. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it's like the gloomy weather a little bit and, uh, yeah, I don't know what else. Yeah. I take sometimes like, um, not chewable, but like those vitamin B12 supplements that you can like put under your tongue and oh, like yeah. cherry flavored. Those, I don't know if it's a placebo effect, but they seem you to You feel help like it sometimes. gives you a little boost? A little bit. Okay. Maybe I'll look into it. I mean, I should just get some blood work done anyway, oh, sure. just in general for the year, you know. I love getting my blood work done. You do? I get it. I do it like two or three times a year. <gasps> well, mostly because I, I have high cholesterol and my doctor, I keep... You know how you sometimes just like not lie to your doctor, but you like exaggerate oh, a little yeah. bit. So, 100%. and he's very like '90s old school. Like you should have like low fat, like no dairy. This that which I reading. I mean, my other podcast is I talk about goop all the time. Yeah. So I feel like I'm indoctrinated into like the alternative health where people are like, oh, you should be eating lots of you know coconut oil and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I say that I'm going to like try to do this sort of low fat low cholesterol diet and then i i never do um so it's a <laughs> well i mean so i thought that whole thing had changed i mean you know who knows it feels like it changes every like 10 or 15 years exactly i realize like if i um like don't snack and don't eat late at night i will I'll, like lose weight which is good but then um and then my cholesterol usually does go down a little bit it's just hard to be consistent yeah for sure. Um, Especially because you work at night sometimes. And sometimes yeah. like you get home and you're like, oh, I want to have like food. And I really try now because now my schedule, I work like three nights a week. And I'm usually a morning person. Mm. If I was up to, like, you know, uh, left alone to my own devices, I would I would get up super early and go to bed early. Yeah. But now I, I can't really. And I don't want to be like inconsistent. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sort of on the like go to bed you know, around one, which is late for me. That's when I go to bed. Yeah. But then you still wake up early? Not really. Oh. I, I woke up today. Well, I set my alarm for eight and I stayed in bed for, I don't know, 20 or 30 more minutes after that. That's not a full eight hours. You need the full, I need no, a full eight. I wish, I mean, I, I don't think I could sleep a full eight. Like I, my body needs it, but um, I don't think it's possible. Even if I like go to bed super late uh once the You'll sun is out oh yeah i have like a sleep man i have all this my shit, brothers man. are like that too yeah. they're like they can't help but wake up um yeah we're just wired that's just how you're wired i guess so i wish like i wish i didn't have to work at night because if i would love to like get up at six in the morning and go to bed at like 10 30 wow that's like that, that would be a nightmare to me <laughs> <laughs> but it's probably would be better for me is really I, the, the reality well i think that's also a f- fallacy like people say oh uh early risers are more productive i don't think that's true at all i don't think i would be necessarily i mean i think i'm just you are who you are like the time of day i arise does not necessarily now how long i spend in the bed after i woke up that's a different matter no totally it's a totally different problem um 
And we were talking a little bit before, so you didn't watch all of the SAG Awards last night? No, I just sort of like tuned in and out. Yeah. So this will this will come out the end of January, but we're recording a week before. Uh, so as we record, the Screen Actors Guild Awards were last night. There's nothing real. I mean, it's all, like awards season this year is so compressed that there's yeah. no, there's no, like the acting categories, especially it's like the same people right. are winning over and over again. And I think I, like when I was younger, I was just so obsessive about watching award shows and they didn't even have this many on, no. you know, I think like the only one I remember consistently watching was the Oscars and maybe like the Grammys or something. Yeah. Maybe oh yeah. The and the Emmys? Grammys I think are this next week. It's just crazy. Yeah. But now I remember the first year I missed the Oscars. I like had to, cause I was on a plane or something mm. was going on where it was like, no, no way. I know. There was like no way I could see him. And I remember being like, oh, God, this is the worst. And then it was like, it was totally fine. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. And now, especially with the internet, where it's like, oh, you're going to see all the highlights oh, later. Sure. Like, I'm so, uh, I don't know. I just don't get that into it anymore. Maybe it's just from being old and, or just from being like, eh, who cares? Like, yeah. why, are, why are we doing this? <laughs> I know. They're they're like simultaneously so boring to me and like so riveting. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Because exactly. they're so long. And like last night, I was working last night, so I didn't get, I got home at, I don't know, like 10.30 or whatever, and immediately I just turned, like I DVR'd them, I turned them on, because I was like, if I'm not going to watch them now, I'm never going to watch right. them, because it would be, be like so... truly psychotic to watch them like a couple days after <laughs> yeah, they yeah, air. Yeah, because you'll see, you'll have seen so many yeah, clips be... and heard about whatever. Yeah. Well, my husband wanted to watch a movie last night, and so mm. I wanted to flip to the SAG Awards for a bit, but I could tell he was getting antsy. And I, I could feel myself just falling into like, yeah, I want to keep watching this. But I was like, could sense he was ready oh, to move yeah. on. I, I know that feeling. When I, <laughs> whenever I turn on like a real housewife or something, John will just like, he'll get up from the couch and maybe he'll like start pacing a little yeah. bit and go into here and like do something and then go out. And I'm like, okay, we should turn something else on. Yeah. Uh, but that's the beauty of being in a gay relationship is you both will watch award shows without like questioning it. <laughs> I can't imagine. He'll watch it sometimes. I, he just last night had had it. In, he was like, I don't want to. We don't need to see this. Like yeah. he just was like, what, what do we care? I was like, I don't know. I just want to watch like whatever. Sometimes there's some good speeches and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like I wanted to see, especially like in an election year, I think there's like interest. People are saying De Niro's speech was very good. It was very political. Yeah. And like the, at the Golden Globes, there were a lot more sort of political speeches. Yeah. I think. And it's the Screen Actors Guild. It's all it's all actors voting, and it's and it's only actors. So like, their all their speeches are very like actor centric, even more than yeah. usual, which is so dorky. But it's like it fun is. to listen. It is. To them. It is interesting. Like, and to hear to see them kind of geek out over each other a little bit, mm. like getting like. <gasps> Oh, did y'all see that this person was here? You know, like they'll have excitement over. Totally, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guess the big thing was, I only saw the photo of Brad Pitt grabbing Jennifer oh. Aniston's arm, which I was like, "Let the woman leave!" <laughs> like everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, it's so romantic." I was like, "It seems kind of creepy." Well, I don't think he like grabbed her as she was leaving. Well, the picture I saw is she has her back all the way turned to him, yeah. and her he has her hand grasped in oh, his, yeah. like as though she's like walking away, and it, and it's like a thing. I've done this with people sure. before, where you're saying like, "Okay, bye," but it's like you know, let's. Let, well, the, yeah. let the woman walk exactly. away if she I wants mean, to walk away. <laughs> and it's funny because, like, the internet has been waiting for this moment. Yeah. I mean, since its inception, since, like, you know, in 25 years or however long it's been since they've been together. But, like, they're <laughs> finally in the same room with cameras. So they must have known, like, as soon as they get within a few feet of each other, there's going to be a million right. cameras. And, like, this was going to be the only thing that people are going to talk about the next day. Yeah. And they both won. Yeah. And which... I liked the morning show. I have Did not seen it? it. I don't have uh what's it on oh, Apple, Apple Plus or whatever? Well, Apple. Yeah, John John got um there was like a SAG oh, screener we have a SAG code. thing of it. Yeah, we so have I all, but I should watch that because we have that and I did not think about that I could watch it. It's very <laughs> stupid. It is really like I've heard not I've heard mixed things, but mostly negative. Yeah, and it's really enjoyable to watch. Uh, I thought it got sort of better as the season progressed, and then the end was—I mean, I won't give anything away, but it was—I thought it was a terrible ending. Yeah. But there's a few episodes, and like, and Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon are just so fun to watch. Yeah. And Billy Crudup was really good. I love him. Um. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, what have you been watching? Movies or TV? Well, last night we watched Bombshell. We had our screener of Bombshell, and we watched that, and I liked it. It was good. I mean, it's like I the I understand like story wise why they had the Margot Robbie character, and I thought she was very good, but I was sort of like, this is weird. It, It it didn't help me 
watching the story. I was more interested in Gretchen Carlson and Megyn Kelly. And so, like, every time it would sort of go... And then, like, her side storyline with Kate McKinnon, I was like, to what end is this? Yeah, it was... I mean, I understand that, that, like, oh, the thing of having to be closeted if you work at Fox, I understand wanting to, like, establish that work environment. But I was like, what? What is going on? <laughs> yeah, it was weird that they mixed, like, the real-life characters with these composite... Yeah. Character, And I realized they wanted... They wanted to have a character that was sort of coming up the ranks. Exactly. Someone that you could see having it happen to them in the moment. Yeah. Which, like, story-wise, I completely understood that. I just... And Nate was saying, like, oh, well, they wanted you to have someone you cared about having that happen to. And I was like, I didn't care about her. No, because she's, <laughs> she's like, they're all opportunists. Like, I mean... Yeah. And, I, you know, everyone needs to get a paycheck in this life. But, like, sure. it is... Like, I, I had a hard time, yeah, feeling sorry for any... And I guess that was sort of the point of, like, oh, even you know, women that you disagree with on every level, they still obviously, like, don't deserve this harassment. Of course we not. We can agree no. on that. But I felt bad for her in what happened to her and everything. But the um, I just was like, oh, I wish they could have found a different story way of doing this. I don't know. It, it, it just felt like it was, like, a lot of drama on that character's plate. And she's the one person who's, like, totally made up. And I'm like, seems like there's plenty of drama for these gals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we exactly. could have, like, given them a little more time. I don't know. That yeah, was my take. I agree. And I, I wish that they would have had some way to at least talk about, like, uh, aside from Roger Ailes' harassment, like, the the um, the danger that Fox News poses and yes. like the the corruption inherent in, I mean, in Fox News specifically, but really any like journalism for profit. Uh, sure. And I guess that's not the movie that they wanted to make, but it, no. it was like a little unsatisfying. But I think they could have done it in a way specific to, you know, with the Me Too movement, with women's issues, feeling like they're kind of more at a forefront now than ever, that if you're working at a news organization that so devalues women and so, you know, is fine with people treating women like absolute garbage, well, of course, that's if that's the ethos of the company, that is not going to, when they're reporting the news, it is going to infect what they do and what they say. Yeah. And I think they could have leaned into that more. Yeah, have some some context to Fox. Uh, yeah. And because and I like, uh, Jay Roach has done those um, those HBO, like sort of political soap operas. He did yeah, Game, Game Change, Change and Recount. And they're they're super, they're fun. Like if you do like to follow sort of the, the ins and outs of, of politics. Yeah. But this one... Yeah, because it was like tr- it was trying to make a bigger point, but yeah, I don't think it, it didn't really quite succeeded. Get there. But and all then, the acting was really good. Oh, I thought yeah. so. I I did not recognize Charlize Theron. I literally was like, "What's happening?" I don't under. Nate was like, "It's Charlize Theron." I was like, yeah. "Oh my god!" I really thought it was. I was like, "Megan Kelly's not playing herself. Who is this?" <laughs> um, the other thing I just finished watching was Cheer on Netflix. Did oh, you watch this? No, <gasps> uh, I John has been watching it. I haven't watched it yet, but I. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Get ready. It is a journey. It is emotional. I cried so much, way more than is appropriate. Wow! It was. It's great. It's so good, okay. and it's really well done. Um, I think I love stuff like that. I mean, I'm not. I wasn't a cheerleading person, but like, I love those kind of like this very niche thing. It, it was funny too, just like coming from the comedy world, the improv world seeing something so niche and like seeing it from the inside like how important this coach is and this team is and like the rest of the world has no clue who any of these people are just like oh there's all these little niches like that all around us all the time you know like we're there's like the biggest deal in high school fencing just walked past you but you don't know and to some people they are like gods and goddesses yeah so these are uh, high school or college age college College it's a junior college um that's like very very good wow at cheerleading uh and it goes through just all the the kids on the team and like the it goes through like a whole season or it's just one season you see basically from the beginning of the season to the end of the season and uh it's great and then you find out a little bit about different ones of them not everyone on the team because the team is pretty large Mm. Uh, you learn a lot of terms. Oh, I bet. Like, are you on mat? What are we going to do in <laughs> Slaytona? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so fun. 
Yeah, it's great. Like, it's a real, real good time. But, like, get ready. Have your tissues. Oh, sure. Yeah. There's so many. Like, Netflix now has so many of these, uh, like, docu like documentary series. Because yeah. there's that, that crime one that everyone's been talking about, too. That like, the don't cat fuck with one? the cats. I'm scared of that, I, watching that. Because I don't want to watch cats get I hurt. Know, that's why I didn't want But I was l listening to some people. And I guess there's not that much cat violence shown yeah but it's implied but yeah, what I yeah, heard. yeah. And you hear noises Ooh, and i was oh, like okay, okay I, don't I don't know, know. I, i'm some people have told me yeah i think you'll be yeah, okay yeah. but i'm like oof, i don't know yeah i don't uh, i do like i'll get addicted to those type of shows uh the, lately like i've been trying to watch all of um the like oscar movies uh i get i get very like completist about yes. even like the documentaries and the foreign language oh and nice i'm gonna try to watch all the shorts before um wow. but so I haven't really been keeping up with TV lately, and I've been rewatching Melrose Place. <laughs> and I, did you watch Melrose Place when it was on? In originally? and out. Okay. I think I probably watched a decent portion of the first and maybe the second season, uh, but probably not much beyond that. Got it. I always thought Billy was really cute. Oh well, it's. I would be curious to know what you would think of Billy now, because he, I, I was, I was like twelve, thirteen. I remember like in eighth grade was when the third season came on and i my parents had had you know forbid me to watch it and i sort of <laughs> lied to them and i was like i will have nothing to talk about at school if you don't let me watch melrose place <laughs> so finally they let me and yeah billy was very cute but now he's so like doofy oh yeah, yeah i mean he looks really oh, young I have no obviously. doubt yeah. but he has no like he obviously has a great body but he has just like no charisma and no swag and you're like this guy is not attractive and it's elizabeth at shoe's brother yeah 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 and she's um, delightful. Oh, she's great. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's just like not an actor. He, yeah. He, he just was like a cute surfer guy. And totally. they were like, you could be in this show. Yeah. He got, um, <laughs> like they shot the pilot with another actor. And then I think they replaced him at the last minute with Andrew Shue. And they were just like, Ugh, we just got to do it. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but like, I, I love this show so much. Oh, it, my husband loves 90210. Oh, oh, yeah. 90210 is great, loves too. Loves And he still will watch, like, it comes on in reruns during the day, and he loves to watch that. Uh, it's so, it's so fun. There's, like, the plot, I think to an audience today, the plot would move, like, pretty slowly, you would think. But, like, yeah. back then, every week had, uh, you know, a plot twist or, or, like, a cliffhanger or whatever. And then... Like, as, you know, a young teenager thinking, like, this is what adulthood was. is like, <laughs> having your briefcase and, like, sleeping with lots of different people in your apartment complex. And then, like, like backstabbing someone at work. And, and it's just... it was, And I'm I just having so much fun <laughs> rewatching it. So, I'm like... I started the middle of the first season because before Heather Locklear gets on it, oh, it's, it's yeah, pretty yeah. boring. Yeah. Um, and then she comes on. She's the worst. She's a true she's, agent of chaos that she comes She really in. is. Yeah. And it's fantastic watching... Like also coming she's from she's the Loki of Melrose. Oh my Black. god, yeah. <laughs> like from a writer's perspective, uh, just seeing how behind the scenes they they must have been like trying to like rejigger what the show was yeah. and like adding these characters and like finally sort of figuring out what the the formula for the show is. It's it's so good. Well, maybe we'll have to get back into um, that. Yeah, it's on. It was on Amazon Prime, and then they like. At the new year, they, I think they just took it off Amazon Prime, and now it's on Hulu. Oh, okay. So I have to watch well, it with have, commercials, but we have Hulu. Yeah, uh, that's what my husband has to have TV to fall asleep at night. Oh. And so for years, it was literally for a, one brief shining period of time, it was King of the Hill. Okay, which is my favorite show of all time. Really? Oh yeah. And then it was Cheers, mm -hmm. which is a great show, but like I've now seen that has run while I've fallen asleep for 15 years. Wow, wow, wow. And then Frasier. And so both of those, we've gone through the whole series so many times. And so now we've, it's been New Heart, Mary Tyler Moore show. That's, so mm. I'm loving Hulu for our nighttime television That's watching options. Great. Do you guys, do you watch sort of a whole episode and then fall asleep? Or do you try to like fall asleep? Because I can never imagine falling asleep while watching television he falls asleep almost instantly okay. as soon as he turns it on i usually get at least one episode yeah. while i'm playing a game or something okay. on my phone which you're not supposed to do when you fall no. asleep. but i do all the I, time. yeah you're like they they say you're not supposed to have any screens on an I hour know. before i i fall asleep usually listening to a podcast um, so I'll like put my sleep timer on for, for like 20 minutes. Well, and he won't put the sleep timer on. Oh, no. And so on Hulu, the difference between Hulu and like Amazon or Netflix is that show will just keep running for your whole night. It never yeah, stops. Oh, that's As crazy. opposed to like Amazon or Netflix, I think like after three or four. Like, maybe are you still like, watching yes. this? Yes. Yeah. And if you don't click it, then it's over. 
So we'll be going. So yeah, it's it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm glad. I'm so glad I don't have a TV in the bedroom. We have to because he we have to have two TVs because he loves sports so much, oh. and I'm like, uh, and I love reality shows sure. so much. So it's like those are our classic. <laughs> Men are from Mars. Women right. Are from, yeah. I mean, we really that is the one way that we really fall into the stereotypes. Um. Do you wait? Do you watch Housewives reality? Oh yes. Oh, okay. Oh yes. Uh, right now. Well, I guess I watch all of them. Um, Atlanta's good right now. Yes. I'll, last night, I couldn't quite get into it. I think I just had oh, too I think many I might other be things behind, going yeah. on, okay. and it, I just wasn't being able to get into it. Snake Gate was amazing. Loved all of Snake Gate. Oh, my Gate. God. Um, I... Did Orange County just finish? It, yeah. They, so we're about to have a reunion? Or they are, No, they already had the reunion. Uh, Did I miss it? Yeah, Vicky stormed out because she oh, was like a friend it. I of. I saw it. That's right. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And then oh Dallas just had their reunion, and there was all the like racism, like yes. Leanne Locke and racism. I Sorry, this some is not a the... Housewife podcast. <laughs> we can discuss <laughs> yeah, yeah, Housewives yeah. later. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited for the new season of Beverly Hills because of the Denise Richards, Brandy Glanville oh, part. I know. Like, I was freaking out when yeah. I saw that on Twitter. It's gonna be good. Uh, but let's move on to. <laughs> Our main topic of conversation. Oh my god! (laughs) Uh, This podcast is called High Camp, so we've talked about a lot of campy things. But our main topic today is a little movie from 1953 called, and this is the worst. I like this title does not come out of my mouth correctly. Wait, is it 1953? I thought it was 1961. Yes. Wow. I. Recorded an episode yesterday about a movie from 1953, so thank you for correcting <laughs> You're me. You're welcome. 1961. That makes actually a huge difference. It does. Well, it yeah. does. I mean, especially for Warren Beatty. Yeah, yeah, because he would have been uh, like 12 years old. Yeah. yeah. Pretty young. Um, 1961 called The Roman Spring of Mrs. Stone. It's very hard to say. Very hard to say. Uh, I gave you a list of... 406 movies you came <laughs> back with a shorter list but not that much shorter <laughs> no no no. um a few different ones and then we decided on this one what what was it about uh the roman spring of mrs stone that made you want to watch it well it's based on the only novel tennessee williams ever wrote and i love tennessee williams it stars vivian lee i love vivian lee that is the end of the list <laughs> <laughs> those were the two things where i was just like oh that's interesting um, and I had always heard of it and yeah. like sort of seen a poster or seen like a, some screenshots from it or something. I was like, oh, this seems neat. Like it's in Rome and it's some kind of, and I like May, December romances. I like movies and things that yeah. are around that. Especially with like old, older women, younger men. Yes. It's, yeah, it's I like good... it. I've always liked it. Um, I always find it interesting or creepy. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is, well, definitely creepy. Yeah. Interesting TBD. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, before we get into it, let's read the oh, review. Yes. Uh, if this is the first episode of High Camp you're listening to, I stole the name of this podcast from a duo of books by uh, amateur film historian and professional librarian, Paul Rowan. Uh, and this is what he has to say about the Roman Spring of Mrs. Stone. And forgive me, I'm I think I'm going to read the whole thing. Even oh, though it's please. It's like pretty no, long because it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, older women and younger man melodramas constitute one of my very favorite film genres, mainly because the older woman is usually standing in for a gay male. One of the best and most flagrant examples of this is The Roman Spring of Mrs. Stone. The screenplay is by Gavin Lambert, working from a novel by Tennessee Williams. Really? Need I say more? Yes, I must. <laughs> The movie seems so full of veiled references to the homosexual experience and to my own experience, as a matter of fact, it is directly comparable to Tchaikovsky's Pathétique Symphony. Indeed, this could have served as appropriate background music for the film. Early on, a narrator tells us, for more than two centuries, the immense cascade of stone stairs descending from Trinitia de Monte to the Piazza de Spagna has been a favorite place of assignation. Whereupon we are shown a virile, dark-haired fellow in an unbuttoned shirt bouncing down the steps to rendezvous with a bald and sweating businessman wearing glasses. And then we cut to a gigolo handing his card to an old bag. The comparison is... This guy is uh, pretty misogynist, (laughs) just FYI. The comparison is explicitly made simple and vulgar as that. Similarly, the script comes right out and calls the title character a chicken hawk. This is a term which I personally have only heard applied to men of a certain persuasion. Mrs. Stone is a wealthy American widow residing in Rome. She's portrayed by Vivian Lee, looking utterly exquisite in gowns by Belman of Paris. Along comes Warren Beatty, who is given a grand entrance. We don't get to see his pretty face until she does. 
and she likes what she sees. Oh, she has her pride, of course, but she ends up giving him money just the same. After she and Beatty play their first game of Hide the Salami, we see her come sweeping out of Elizabeth Arden, so radiant she's positively twittering. It's the kind of brittle, intoxicating joy and euphoria that cannot possibly last. Believe me, dear, I know. Once she's gotten hooked on cock, no one or nothing can save her. Not even good horse sense, no-nonsense chum, such as co-star Coral Brown. And sure enough, there comes the inevitable decline and fall. Oh, swallows, Mrs. Stone innocently burbles, gazing up into the hard, bright, dazzling Roman sky. Is it true they have no legs? That's why they stay in the air all the time. It's the sort of silly, romantic notion Tennessee Williams might have had. No, snaps Beatty impatiently. They stay in the air because they don't want to mix with American tourists. It's the sort of caustic comeback Tennessee Williams might have heard from one of his European rent-a-boys. I've seen this picture more times than I can count, and I always find myself wishing for a happy ending, which I'm well aware is not possible. I identify with the heroine so fiercely, and for the simple reason that I know she's not, she's really not a woman. In this movie, we, we invariably can tell who the real women are. They're the ones who are always trying to come between her and Warren. She ultimately falls victim to a grotesque contrivance like something from the pages of Poe. She's watched, followed, hounded by a shabby, gaunt young man in an overcoat. He's a street kid, a man in the crowd, a vulture with eyes for her alone. And when at last she finds herself bereft and abandoned, she tosses him the key to her apartment. We think of newspaper clippings, unmarried busboys and male librarians found murdered in their beds, no sign of forced entry. It's an ending as thoroughly macabre, as downbeat uh, and final as that of Sorry, Wrong Number. In a very real sense, this is a horror story. Years ago, I was telling my Aunt Gert about a movie somewhat similar to this, Of Love and Desire. Merle Oberon plays a rich tramp living in Mexico, I began. Uh, oh, I saw that, my aunt enthused. Then she meets Warren Beatty, right? My aunt, of course, was confused. The movie she was thinking was the Vivian Lee picture presently under discussion. These melodramas do tend to run together somewhat. I've seen quite a number over the years. I've also seen times change. Back in 1961, when this picture was made, Beatty was a juicy young stud. Today, we see him playing love scenes with Madonna, and we notice he's become as withered and dried up as Mrs. Stone. We all have to take our turn on the carousel, and only the good die young. Christ. Oh my god. Okay, so yeah, I usually don't read these. This was sort of a long one, but I wanted to get, get all of this in. He take took this movie very personally. Yeah. Um. Like, okay, so you say you love Tennessee Williams. I do. I really thought I love. I do love Tennessee Williams. Like, I in you know were you were you a theater student? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So like you learn as like a in drama school in college. Like you learn you know Glass Menagerie and Streetcar Named Desire, all these uh, Summer and Smoke, all these ones. Yeah. Um, and I've always like related to his melodrama and, you know, people have said before, like, oh, a lot of his female characters are sort of stand-ins for gay men because, yeah. you know, he wasn't able to like write explicitly gay male characters. But I'm wondering, like, is that in and of itself misogynist? Is he like writing these, are, are these characters just like misogynist uh, exaggerations of like grotesque femininity? I don't think. I mean, I didn't. That was not my take. Okay. Uh, it, in watching it, because I was like, oh, this all seems feasible to me. And I feel like I've seen it in other literature and art and stuff. Like the dowager, you know, the older lady who, widow, who's lonely and she has fellas who take her out and yeah. do whatever. And they are gigolos, you know, they are paid for their companionship i don't think that's inherently sexist i mean i think it's just like he wanted he had a story to tell and he had to have sort of an avatar for himself that was not like himself yeah in terms of his gender and and do you like do you relate to his like this one is maybe this, this lady is like old well she's not even that she's, old well she's, at one point yeah. they say she's 45 and yeah. then later they say she's 50 well i think yeah that saying she's 50 that was like an insult because she wasn't really 50 yeah. and, but she looks a lot older than 45 yeah and she at 45 is playing rosalind and as you like it that's I mean, her first that mistake. was <laughs> that was when i was just like oh my lord this movie and i mean they are calling her out on it totally like, why are you playing rosalind but that is like a thi- like older actress Yes. like playing like the, the heroine, yeah, or yeah, whatever. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they sort of make fun of her for that. And Vivian Lee herself was like a stage actress, yes. And like, I mean, she might not have you know played Rosalind, but yeah, that's. I mean, they were these people. 
Vivian, the, the Vivian Lees of the world, the Elizabeth Taylors of the world, they are so gorgeous. And yet so they, beautiful. we're treating their bodies so terribly. Oh my gosh. Well, and I did a little dive on Vivian Lee after watching this because I do love her so yeah. much. And I didn't realize that she was bipolar yeah. and like had had just and had tuberculosis. And that's how she died. She I know. She was so I, young when she died. She yeah. was only 57. Um, or 53? I don't yeah, know. No, she I was in her 50s. Because yeah. I think she was born in 1929 and she died in like She was born in 1913. Oh, that's um, right. That's right. And, and yeah, then, to... and died in like 67 something or something. Like that, not, yeah. not too long after this no. movie. Um, but she had sort of a rough go of it and her husband, you know, she was married to Lawrence Olivier, who I think was the love of her life. And yeah. she, according to him, I guess, in some way, I've, although I've always heard that he was gay also, but I think that... At the very least, they were very much in love. For sure, yeah. Um, but I think they just abused the crap out yeah. of each other. Yeah, I mean, other. it's so similar to Elizabeth Taylor and yes, Richard Burton. Like yeah. Because uh, they were, uh, well, he was definitely married at the time when they met. And so was she. And so was she, yeah. And then they split. They, like, lived together because their their spouses wouldn't give them divorces. And then finally their spouses were like, fine. <laughs> That's so crazy. Because like, now there's no you know no fault divorce yeah. and you can just like get a divorce but back then you really like both had to agree and you could like keep someone hostage yeah. it's so crazy well like spencer tracy you know yeah. he was oh, yeah. always married to his wife and not katherine hepburn because well they were she... for sure gay i think <laughs> <laughs> they were each other's yeah i mean they probably covers. had a loving relationship with yes. each other but i i mean i don't know no one knows but it does not seem like that was a romantic relationship yeah Who i don't knows? know but the anyway regardless yeah. Um, yeah, she looks rough for 45 in this movie, but I think that's also the era and the way they did their makeup and hair and all that. And they wanted to make her look, I mean, she of course is gorgeous yeah. and always looks gorgeous, but I was like, she's a hard living 45 totally. year and old like, a little bit. Her, cause her hair in like the, the first half of the movie is sort of that classic, almost like Scarlett O'Hara, like flip and she yeah. still looks good. And then after she and Warren Beatty get together, there's like a little bit of a time jump and she literally gets like an old lady haircut. Yes. And I'm like, why are you why? trying to look older? You, I know. It should have been the opposite. Agreed. Agreed. I found this movie so confusing. I did not understand who that guy was almost the whole movie. I was like, what is his deal? Is this Warm like... Baby. No, or the, the, oh, the, the, the guy who stands outside her yeah, window. That's like a, a like Tennessee Williams like symbol. It's, like, he's yeah. like the, the guy in Streetcar, the... Um, what do you, the, the tamales guy. Oh, totally, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the Flores, Flores, Yeah, Flores, Flores, Flores He's Flores, just like a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just like the, the sort of hanging around person, something, you know, who's like representing something that I don't totally understand. Yeah, representing like sort of like sexual deviancy or just like, uh, um, like, you know, her sort of, her last rope. Like, like at least right. Warren Beatty is... Okay, yeah, Warren Beatty was very young because he had just done Splendor in the Grass yeah. and this was like his second movie. He, I wouldn't quite say he's in blackface, but, but it's, it's not not blackface. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is got some heavy makeup on. I His character confused me completely yeah. because at, some, at one point when they finally do go to bed together, I was like, wait, does he really love her? Like, is this, because Lotta Linya kind of called, she's the horrible pimp. Oh yeah, lady. so Lotta Lenya, uh, she's a monster, so, and she was nominated for an Oscar for this. She should have been. Uh, she's, she's so great. great. Yeah, um, but yeah, she's like the disgusting countess who's her, who's his pimp, who like Vivian Lee already knows yes, when she that gets. That part was confusing. Was like, how does too? she know her to begin with? They well, it's like, how does she know her? She knows she's a pimp. She yeah. still is like, all oh, right, okay. and everybody seems to know, and they're just sort of like, oh, what are we gonna do? Like, she's bringing around a hot guy. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, because it's all sort of like, like she's a pimp, but it, it, it's this like. You know this tango of we're gonna we're gonna hang out together and like you know maybe we'll sleep together and maybe you'll give me money but it's not as explicit as no. like what you would think prostitution is until yeah and like the movie you at some points you think Warren Beatty's character is really sort of falling for her yeah. and I wonder if that's something that they change in the because i imagine in the novel it was probably a little like rougher and right you were like oh this woman is delusional the whole time yeah. and in the movie they were maybe trying to make it like have it both ways a little bit yeah because i definitely was like it came out of the blue to me at the end when he was like like i hate you or whatever you know when he was being so mean and saying the thing about the swallows and like yeah. i hate america i hate americans america yeah. you're gross like 
just he was being so mean and it was just so out of no and she that's when she's just on a high she's so happy you know and then he comes in he's just awful well because if that is the case if he like resented her the whole time he's not a very good gigolo because he never explicitly like one time he asked he was like oh i have this friend who needs money right. because he like gave it to some bootlegger it was basically and a nigerian spent... yeah exactly story. Of the day. And she, but she already knew because Lotta had told her, oh, he's going to tell you this and try and get money from you. Yeah. Which I was also confused by that. I'm like, well, wait, isn't he your fella? Like, it all, something happened at that point when they go, they're at the club together or whatever. And he runs into Lotta Lotta there with her weird group of friends. Yeah. These other sort of, they, all the like they're the guys, because they all have the same uh, shade of foundation on. <laughs> so they all yeah. look very similar. And then all the like, you know, the old ladies yeah. who Vivian Lee's character constantly is like, oh, you don't think of me like that. I'm not pathetic like that. Like other like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, she is, I mean, they do make her look a little you know old but she's still she's Vivian still Lee. gorgeous she's, I mean, and she is like she wasn't just jumping right in the bed with him no. she wasn't like lavishing him with gifts right out of the gate like she was being interest she's an interesting woman she's yeah. had this amazing acting career so it was believable to me that he was like wow she actually is like sees me as a person and we are just having conversation and whatever but then he just something happens in that scene that is above my pay grade to recognize what it was where he realizes i'm not ever doing this i'm i hate her and i'm getting away from her and i'm going off with the with the the younger jill st john John, who i imagine too in the book probably had a more substantial character yeah and then this you just sort of see her a few times and she's like a younger sort of starlet and it is like the thing of oh you know vivian lee's career is ending as this new starlet is beginning right and then you think oh maybe that would make sense for Warren Beatty's character to actually like fall in love with this younger woman, but that doesn't that doesn't, doesn't happen. happen. And it's like, oh, it's basically just, another setup. Yeah, and you're like, why would this young, like, it's one thing if you are a young actress being set up uh, by like producers or whatever with like another hot young actor yeah. to get publicity, but like if you were you know, Florence Pugh or whatever, they're not going to be like, oh, here's this weird Italian gigolo <laughs> that you, we're going to set you up with to get, to like, To get money publicity. off of yeah. you. Yeah, or whatever it is. It's so odd, because it's like, she could... She's also kind of running a game, because they show her, and it's very background, but the few times that we see her in the movie, she has the exact same conversation with these younger men who are sort of swarmed around her, where she's like, well... Um, I'm not sure if I, if the studio will even release me for my next picture. What I really want to do is move to New York and study the method. And she says that in two different scenes, almost verbatim. And it huh. stood out to me because I was like, that's weird. So it's almost like she's her own version of a gigolo. So I'm like, what are yeah. she and Warren Beatty doing together? You can't gigolo each other. No, yeah. <laughs> only one gigolo per relationship. <laughs> yeah, that is a very hard and fast rule. Yeah. It, yeah, it's very odd. Uh... And I, I don't know. I usually like like uh, one. The, actually, the very first episode of this podcast, uh, I talked about suddenly last summer, mm-hmm. another you know Tennessee yeah. Williams adaptation, which also is like a lot of coded stuff about sexuality. And that movie has Catherine Hepburn and Elizabeth Taylor. But that movie, even though it's like crazy, it sort of makes sense. Right. And this then, one simply did not. No. No, I was very confused and like hoping to be enlightened because i did some reading about it afterwards and really was not that enlightened <laughs> i was yeah. just like oh because at first i was like because early in the movie too warren Beatty talks about somebody finding their neck a uh, woman in bed and she she's gets her neck slit in yeah. the door and so i'm like oh is that guy like a serial killer but this is like predates serial killers being like sure. a known thing i i think he's referring to to well and like that that's what um paul rowan says right. in the thing too is like uh you know older women or gay men a lot will you know be found murdered mm-hmm. and you know there's no forced entry so it's like oh this is some sort of you know sexual robbery uh and and that would happen from time to time so he's like warning her i don't think he's saying that he would do this no no but the guy on the oh, street yeah. i'm like is that guy has he just been plotting this whole time is he like an early version of a serial killer before we like had that name for them <laughs> and he's gonna come up because he put her keys in his pocket yeah. which i found odd i think I, yeah i think the end so the very ending is after after he breaks up as after warren Beatty breaks up with with her and she's uh you know at the end of a rope super lonely so this guy who has remained sort of silent and nameless throughout the whole time she sees him below like she's on a balcony or whatever she throws her keys down to him 
and she basically lets him come up to the apartment and then it fades to black. Yeah. So it's like that's uh, an ambiguous ending. Like either she's debasing herself by just sleeping with this, right. this like homeless guy or she's basically committing suicide by letting this stranger, stranger come stalking in. stalking Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he, he really has been stalking her. Like, it's not a subtle thing. No, like, she... he's, like, chasing her everywhere she goes, and she is deeply afraid of him. Yeah. Yeah, like, every scene, she's like, why is this guy here? <laughs> and then she'll lie and be like, Warren Beatty at one point is like, hey, who's that dude? She's like, I don't know. See, yeah. I didn't see him. And it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. That dude is a creep. Well, because I, I think, yeah, Tennessee Williams writing, it, like, in a, uh, like, theatrical, like, setting, you can have sort of more uh, symbolism and, like, not everything has to be realistic. Right. And, like, in film, it's like you have to choose, oh, is this the real world or is this, like, some fantasy yeah. world? And it doesn't quite translate. I want, and I've never read the book that this is based no. on, but I sort of wonder, like, did something happen in translating this from a novel to a screenplay that, like, lost made it make less sense maybe yeah because it sure doesn't make a ton well because like you know you translate a play to a screenplay and it's like you have to figure out how to make it cinematic yeah but you can still keep most of the dialogue you don't right. have to leave stuff out whereas like a novel there's obviously going to be a lot of stuff like a lot Inner of context that, yeah, things that are yeah. going to be left out that you're going to miss yeah yeah it's not a great one no 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 and it's too <laughs> bad because i mean vivian lee is so iconic for someone who did so few yeah. movies like i mean um scarlett o'hara and blanche dubois like she won oscars for both of those yeah. movies and those are two of you know the most iconic she was characters nominated for ship of fools which i think which i've never was, seen that. i haven't either yeah. but i was reading about it yesterday when i was reading about vivian lee and it sounds amazing it sounds like she was incredible in wow because yeah she's she's so good and she like i mean she had obviously a lot of like you know, mental health issues and physical with issues with the tuberculosis. But like when she did do movies, she usually picked like really big ones to do. Uh, and I wonder, yeah, maybe she thought, oh, this, you know, I just I had this huge hit with Streetcar Named Desire. I'm going to do another Tennessee Williams thing. And Warren Beatty's some, you know, hot young guy. So yeah, who knows what it was that got her into doing this one. Very weird. It seems like, I mean, I think this was right Around the time she divorced Olivia, uh, yeah, yeah. so I wonder if she was she she remarried right away, but or pretty soon because she had been having an affair with the guy she remarried. Um, yeah, so I don't know if maybe this was like she needed the distraction maybe. or what. Uh, yeah, because like after. Because she was sort of, I mean, this the story is weird with Gone with the Wind. There's so many like stories about how she got the part of like. Um, uh, David Selznick's brother was an agent right. that knew her and Olivier and apparently like he brought her to set while I guess they were like shooting the movie before they'd even cast Scarlett O'Hara. Yeah, they were shooting the big uh, Atlanta scene where they're all all the bodies are laid out. It's like a big scene where yeah. they it's like the Battle of Atlanta and there's just bodies all over the street. It's uh, a huge, huge, crazy scene in the movie. It's yeah. And like um and I guess they yeah, convinced Selznick to give her a screen test. And she had done some British movies before. But then that made her, I mean, one of, like, it had to have made her, like, one of the biggest stars in the world. Yeah. And then immediately she, like, married Olivier and, and went back to the theater. And, yeah. like, didn't do much yeah. film. Um, what do you think of, I mean, we're not talking about Gone with the Wind. But, like, what is that a movie that you saw, like, growing up a lot? Or, I yeah, did, yeah. yeah. I grew up in Atlanta. And oh, yeah. that movie premiered at the Fox Theater in Atlanta. And I saw it at the Fox Theater. They would show oh. it. I feel like they would show it maybe once a year, but maybe it wasn't even that often. But I think I was maybe in high school when I saw it at the Fox Theater, which was very cool. Because the Fox is, like, one of those old vaudeville-type theaters. I do you know? know it from... <laughs> Um, Nene Leake's uh, stand-up <laughs> on Real Housewives of Atlanta. It all comes full circle. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was cool to see it there. I mean, you know, obviously it's a movie that has a lot of problems, yeah. like, in terms of, like, the subject matter. I have a soft spot for it just because I think of when I saw it. It's totally. just so, and it's so overwhelming to see, like, such a big old movie like that that's so beautiful and and the people some of the people are just so gorgeous in it and yeah. they're such good actors and then you know and then i feel guilty no for, i mean i think like <laughs> for liking it yeah it's it's obviously like a complicated movie uh i my it was one of my the, my mom's favorites so i i don't think i've ever seen it on the big screen but like i remember 
watching it as a kid and yeah you really I mean connect to because it is just such a like interesting story with great characters and you want to yeah. know what happens and Vivian Lee is like this was 1939 and she was playing this anti-heroine oh man uh, so like you don't even like Betty Davis movies at the time like there's something about Vivian Lee's performance in that movie that's just so modern and so ahead of yeah, its time yeah because she really is and I mean this in the best possible way, a full-blown bitch. Oh, yeah. Like, she is a horrible person in so many ways, yet she also has this, like, strength and, like, compelling nature that you just can't help but root for her, even though you're just like, you are awful! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you, like, you, you fan... I mean, similar to my love of Melrose Place and, like, <laughs> Heather Locklear in that show, you, like, this is a, you know, horrible, horrible bitch, and yet it's like, you can project your own fantasy of, like, oh, if I didn't give a shit about anyone. This is yes, how I would act. Yes, like, To exactly. get ahead, to get what I want. And it is this, like, this fantasy. Uh, and then she is able to, like, use that persona in Streetcar as someone who was, like, formerly a Scarlett O'Hara and now it's all sort of caught up to her. Yes. And she, like, goes insane because, like, her, you know, feminine wiles don't work don't, anymore. Yeah, like, she's... And she and probably of the time people were like shaming her because she was a very sexual person yeah, and that yeah. was like that's not appropriate. And her first love was gay and killed himself totally. and streetcar's a great play. But but yeah, in this in Roman in R S O M S like you don't get any of her backstory really or no. like what type of person she is other than the fact that she's like this grieving widow who's lonely and whose career is over like everything bad has happened to yeah. her and she then just keeps having more bad things yeah. happen even the things that seem good to her that are making her happy are actually bad things and yeah you want like some spark or like ha her have some agency because like as the viewer you're like well this this guy's so shady yeah like mm -hmm. why don't you like I understand you're you know you're full of grief and you're lonely, but like you should be able to see a little bit that this this is not a good situation. But it seems like at first she does because he leaves her card for her. He doesn't. She doesn't right. call. He's like waiting around, and then finally he basically stalks her to like the place where she's riding horses, and is just like, yeah, I've been coming here looking for you. And so she finally is like, all okay. right, like she he basically gives her no choice but to hang out with it. She tries to avoid it, yeah, and then that's he true. like kind of. He's too good at his gigoloing. I guess so. And then, but then she, even then, she pushes him off from like a sexual relationship for a while, and then finally, he kind of yeah, what's pushes her buttons. And they they finally <laughs> sleep together. But I forget what because I remember there's that shot of like just the back of her leg going up, and like her legs are still like gorgeous. Yeah. And then it, you know it's Vivian Lee. Uh, and then, yeah, something's hap something happens and she succumbs to him finally. Well, basically, he they're like out on the balcony. They've gone out to dinner or something. And she invites him up. Something had gone on. I can't remember exactly. But he says something that pushes her buttons. And I can't remember exactly what it is. And she says something to the effect of, well... I don't want to have to pay for it, basically. She's like, if the the day that people don't want to be with me for me, that they want to be with me for money or whatever, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's when she, he tells her the story. Lotta Lenya has warned her that he's going to tell ask her for money. Oh, okay. And he does, and so she knows what's up. And she's like, well, I can tell you, I don't leave my diamonds in the soap dish. Like yeah. That's like, I think, a quote. <laughs> I don't leave my diamonds yeah. in the soap dish. And the day I have to pay for it, I don't want it. Like, essentially. And then she goes in the bedroom and, like, gets, strips down to her slip, gets under the covers, and he walks in and is like, game on. <laughs> right. And then after that, it is, yes, she's just, like, so digmatized. Yes. Like, she, she really, whatever his quote was, she loves the cock or whatever. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> she decides she loves cock something or something. Like that. Was, I mean, these reviews are. is a great phrase, though. Yeah, I think that That's probably a, didn't exist a, when this Excellent, was excellent portmanteau. And, like. You can understand that a story would go that way, like a you know someone would get infatuated by this right. young person, but the like the rest of the circumstances or like the rest of her personality doesn't shift as much. So you're just left to be like, this is confusing. It's I don't so understand why confusing. this is happening. And then it's like the one voice of reason, which he talked about in his review, is that friend. Oh yeah, she's great. I don't know that. She's also a bitch to so. her because like when she sees her at the play and she's all sad because she's playing Rosalind and it's, yeah. it's just horrible because it makes no sense. She's like, yeah, you're too old. 
Oh, like she's just a little, and it's like, yeah, no, I get it. I know that. Yeah, she's that friend who just tells it. You don't have to like ram it in my face. I get it. Right now, what I need is a little bit of a boost. And so she's the one who always comes around and is like, you know what's going on, and I'm gonna like push that bruise for you, and then be surprised when you don't like it. Yeah, like she, yeah, she tells her what to do, but she doesn't actually like help her like change her circumstances. And who is a little bit of a friend of me? Yeah, that's true. Is she like supposed to be a journalist? I don't really get. She's a journalist of some stripe, and just like traveling around Italy for no reason well yeah she's in italy and then she goes to the middle east oh right because she um, oh, to, to st- Lee has that line she's like well there's always oh, trouble in the middle east <laughs> yeah she's like a war reporter all of a sudden yeah. and like a theater critic yeah it makes no sense <laughs> a lot <laughs> um and then lada lenya who i didn't i didn't do a little re- a lot of research about her i just know that name from also from like theater school yeah her, her relationship with Bertolt brecht and uh kurt while right? yeah was, so, i think she was maybe married to kurt while that makes sense she was in all those three penny operas and she's in and the this song one. mac the knife she gets oh, yeah, a little yeah, yeah. name check uh and i wonder i don't know how many other movies she's in but she was like she's such a great character actress Ooh, oh she man. is a beast yeah. she's good she's real good uh her character you just immediately hate her totally. and you're like oh this lady's horrible she's a mean 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 lady and you get like a little because she's called the countess and she married like she had married someone and then somehow like lost her money so she had to sort of start this gigolo business <laughs> like you do yeah like you do uh and this also reminded me of um uh my own private idaho <laughs> yes. like because oh, yeah. they go to italy and they sit on those roman steps um and like they you know, they're gigolos too yeah. in, in Portland. But like that, I wonder if that was like a direct reference to this movie or if that's just oh, like I a known it. place that like gigolos well, hang out. They said that in the oh, yeah. narration at the beginning, a known place for assignations and trysts or so whatever. So I guess it is. God. And that's just like the, that's, it's like the Times Square of, or formerly yeah, Times yeah, Square yeah. of, <laughs> of uh, or now I guess it's like the meatpacking district in, in New for York. For sure. Like, oh, that's where you'll find Where you some. go. God, I missed my chance. It's too late now. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where the prostitutes hang out in L.A. No. Oh, man. Where are the gigolos? Who knows? Have you ever seen American Gigolo? Speaking of gigolos. That's Richard Gere, right? Yeah. I've never seen it. You should absolutely watch it. It's a very fun movie. Yeah. And it's, it it would be interesting to watch it having watched this movie because it's the same, it's a similar situation except Lauren Hutton's not that much older than him. She's Mm. moderately older than him, but not not the same age range yeah i i feel like there's and it's like a tr- very attractive he lo- i mean i've seen stills of and that you see movie. his wang oh really it's one of the few wang movies all right like full frontals i've never been like a richard i don't know i think i he was always just sort of old to me like i've always loved him okay. i don't know what's wrong with me i know other people are like meh i've always just adored him i've always thought he's very attractive he has a big schnoz i like I've, a big nose oh yeah i do too love a big nose and he's got a pretty big one um yeah, I'm trying to think. He's real good looking in uh, American Gigolo. That he was makes... just like prematurely gray, I always think. He was. But he in def... that one, he's not, right? He's still Oh, no, like, no. He's yeah. quite young. And I don't that. mind that, but yeah. Have you ever seen... He's also in that one... Is it Breathless? It's like some Italian... I can't remember which mm. one. It's some like italian-y movie for sure he's like a sexy guy. He's a, And he's always in those like, uh, you know, those erotic thrillers. Uh, yeah. Which are oh yeah wait no I'm now I'm mixing him up with um, Michael Douglas. And, he's in a couple of erotic yeah, but, thrillers yeah, yeah. though. He's in the one where his wife cheats on him or something. Oh un. Is it un, that one? Yeah, the with a uh, Diane. Yeah, Lane. Diane Lane and Unforgive, unfaithful. Unfaithful yeah. with Olivier Martinez, who was, <gasps> who was in, in the, the remake, remake of, with Helen Mirren. Yeah. So there was like a Showtime remake <laughs> of Roman Spring of Mrs. Stone with Helen Mirren and Olivier Martinez. And I'm just like, why? Yeah, oh, uh, after now seeing I sort of want to see it though. Well, now I do too because I'm like, did y'all make it better or did you do a faithful retelling of this weirdness? Yeah, and it's like, in, I don't. I mean, Helen Mirren was known in 2003, but I don't think she was. This was pre the Queen. This was like, I don't know that she would have been like a big draw to make a whole remake of this I mean, movie maybe around. for a certain because i mean you know she was a huge she did have a big career in the 60s and yeah, 70s like what's that movie she's in um which i'm surprised is not on this list it's like uh the not the women but it's the one it's oh the guy <laughs> oh man i'm i'm not it has this crazy scene in it what's his name oliver something 
Okay, so it's these two dudes and two women, and they're like couples. And the two dudes have like a nude wrestling scene where they end up having sex. And it's like late 60s, oh, wow. early okay, 70s. I and I think it's maybe based on a D.H. Lawrence book. Dang, I can't think of the name of it, but it's something like Women and Lovers. Oh, Women and Lovers, D.H. Yeah, it must be that. Yeah. I think it's that one. Okay. And it's like they were. And it's the guy who died when they were making Gladiator who played the guy, and they had to like CGI him in. Okay. And he's a big time British actor whose name just escapes me right now. It's not Michael Gambon, is it? No, no it's, a different. He's like Burley, <laughs> and I think his name's like Oliver or something. Oh, I can't think of it. It's right on the tip of my brain. Everyone, look it up. <laughs> Please look it up right now and but, know that I'll be crazy when I realize it. it yeah, it's just like, why would Showtime do this in 2003 with Helen? I was just like, what is going on? It's yeah, it is an interesting one, and I wonder if it's a thing where like they were just like, oh, we just want to get in the Helen Mirren business. I guess and so. Here, what do you want to do? And she's like, Roman Spring, a Mrs. Stone, doy. <laughs> and it is. I mean, I'd be curious to actually read the book or like know if yeah. the source material is uh, makes more sense or more yeah. interesting. Uh, but it is like a very classic. Like you could see why you know uh, an actress of a certain age would want to would want to play this role, and a young yeah. actor would want to play. Oh, for sure, that guy. Yeah. Although I really hope he has more. The other thing that was so weird to me was, and he mentioned it in his review, was how they obscured Warren Beatty's face until oh, she yeah. sees it. Like he's in the movie for almost five minutes. It's a long time. Except you don't see his face. You hear his voice. You don't see his face. And like literally at one point he covers his face with his hand. And it's like, you know, it's Warren Beatty. I mean, the only surprise is like he's shockingly tan. <laughs> yeah. It's a disturbing, <laughs> disturbing facial makeup. And like, I mean, Warren Beatty is obviously extremely good looking. Yes. Uh, he's to me, he's like not sexy in this movie. Not to me either. The and one I scene they keep doing, um, they show him like getting up from the beach and you like see his butt a little bit yeah that's very sexy but he's also his like italian accents really bad i don't his know italian accents terrible and that was the thing i kept thinking while watching it. i was like i bet if they had just gotten a young hot italian guy oh that would have been better because it would have at least because it was basically like he can't be his version of sexy he has to be his version with this like goofball like Manja, manja. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Italian accent. And it, it's so dorky. And it's like, like a real pizza guy. Yeah, it's very Mario <laughs> Brothers. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a jokey Italian accent. It's very strange. Um, and he, because he's like, he was in Splendor in the Grass. He did this. And then he had to produce Bonnie and Clyde. And that like changed his career. Because yeah. he was just sort of like a pretty boy. Right. And then Bonnie and Clyde obviously changed everything for him. Uh, and he was, I guess, roughly like the same age doing this that Vivian Lee would have been doing Gone with the Wind. Um, Crazy. But she was never able to, like, be a producer and, like, do her own. I don't know. Weird. Well, I don't think she would have been able to. She had <laughs> no, a lot on her plate. Not, and she was having a lot of trouble. <laughs> if you were to remake this movie in 2020, mm. do you have, like, a cast? Ooh, great question. Well, let's see. For the woman... I have a woman, but I have I do not really have a man. Diane Lane would maybe be not oh, a bad choice uh, for a woman. You know who I think? Who? J-Lo. <gasps> she'd be a great one. Oh, that's a really good one. That's And then maybe you could spin it and make it not so much about like the exotic of being in a different... Like it doesn't oh. necessarily have to be about that. It doesn't have to be in Italy. Yeah, it could be anywhere. It could be really. anywhere, really. I mean, unless it's... I mean, it's called Roman Spring. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. But yeah, okay, got, like a young there. guy, there's no... Like, yeah. hot young guy that's hunky like that. Right. Really, it's not, it's not, like not Timothy, Timothy Sh Chalamet. Yeah, no, oh my God. That'd be, like, <laughs> truly insane. Yeah, who would be the hot, young, hunky guy? Because he would have to be a, around that guy's age. Yeah, and, like, in their early, early 20s, every, like, hot, young, early 20s guy's, like, skinny and, and, like, anemic. Like, if it was 10 years ago, it could have been, like, a... a like a Zac Efron. Him, or, yeah. Chris Hemsworth or oh, one yeah, of those yeah. types, maybe. Um, Kelvin Harrison Jr. from... Do you know, uh, he was in Loose. <laughs> That's like a really weird reference. No. And he was just in, um, he's like tall and strapping. Oh, okay. Um, he's the only one I can think of. Because then it's, yeah, it's like Timothy, Lucas Hedges. You're like, no. No. Uh, if it was like 10 years ago too, it could be, um, oh, this guy just, oh, he just went out. Never mind. I don't know who it was, <laughs> who I was thinking of. Oh, well, no, if it was 20 years ago, it could be Tay Diggs. Like it could be Estelle oh. got her groove back. How Estelle I mean, got her groove the back. The plot situation. is exactly like Estelle, except sad. Yeah, yeah. It's a, well, and then the epilogue to How Stella Got Her Groove Back in real life was sad too. He 
cheated on her with a man? Or he, was he was gay the whole time. Oh, so he was and just it was a just scammer like, the whole time. It was totally okay. like he just was wanted to become an American citizen. I mean, according to her. Yeah. But that even makes more sense instead of like this. She like knows going in he's a gigolo. And then, yeah, And I thinks know. he might fall in love with her. Yeah. I guess that, I mean, and that really, happens. That I mean, happened. I believed yeah. it too. So I was sort of like, well, I guess I'm as dumb as she is. Because yeah. I was like, like it seems like it. He's not, you know. He doesn't seem to, the lot of Linya's yelling at him for not having any money, you know, bringing right. in the money and saying like in the past he's had a hard time like closing the deal in terms of getting the money. And, and doesn't he also claim like I didn't sleep with any of these other women yes. too? So he's just like a bad gigolo. He's and maybe not, he's gay if, if he's not well, sleeping with any of these women. And I wonder if that's what it is too, is that that's like the other subtle thing yeah. is like, and she's like, it seems like she's using that to like make him be more of a good gigolo right, which is right, a bad right. person <laughs> good gigolo <laughs> bad, bad human yeah, that's what happens uh but you need to pay your rent everyone needs to pay their rent yeah um so before we go i ask all my guests if we were to write a third volume of uh mm. high camp a gay film guide what is a movie that you would nominate to add to the list that's so hard because i feel like there are so many that could go. There were some I was surprised weren't on the list, but then I was like, oh, maybe they don't qualify as camp. No, there is no, literally no qualification because this guy, he doesn't do the the traditional like Susan Sontag definition of camp. He okay. just says anything that has uh, like intrinsic interest to gay men is considered campy as far as he's concerned. Okay. Well, so, then like I was surprised Kiss of the Spider Woman wasn't on there because that would have been the one I would have picked. Oh, yeah. It wasn't I love on that movie. No, it's I've not on there. I've never seen it. It's great. Uh, I, I wonder if it holds up. I haven't seen it since yeah. it came out. I was probably in high school when it came out. But um, that the one uh, the one that first came to mind when you said it, and now I'm sort of second guessing, is the entire Mamma Mia franchise. Oh, that's really um, good. One. Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. But uh, yeah, I don't know that that Kiss of the Spider one was one I was sort of surprised wasn't in there. Um, because that was is that. William Hurt? It's William, William Hurt, Hurt and Raul Julia. Oh, right. And they, like, fall in love when they're incarcerated in prison, or something? Yeah, okay. in Argentina. It's Oh, well, actually, I think it's an unnamed South American country. And he's, like, a... William Hurt's in jail because he's gay. And uh, Raul Julia's in jail because he's, like, a freedom fighter or oh, something okay. like that. Um, but, yeah, and yeah, it's, it's really good. It's that worth watching. That could be a good... Re- you have... Uh, um, class consciousness versus identity politics. The, yeah. the real existential fight going well, on in the Democratic Party right now. there's a whole other thing going on, too. It's, okay. it's very good. It's I'll check real, it out. real interesting. Uh, the other one I thought of was Black Swan. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like that's probably got some... That is super campy. And it's a movie that... I liked okay when it came out, but I wasn't... I, I, was, I remember being so excited for it when it came yeah. out because it seemed like right up my alley. Um, and then... I don't know. I like Darren Aronofsky. I like Natalie Portman, but that movie, I never like had an urge to watch it again. I liked it. It's so disturbing, but I feel like this way about almost all of his movies. I never want to watch any of them again. Yeah. Like that thing where she pulls her hangnail. Ooh, oh! yeah. No, I don't like to <laughs> watch that. Even though it's a dream, I don't like it. Yeah. Like Requiem for a Dream, never need to see that again, I ever. I am crazy. I saw that movie like three times in the theater. <laughs> you are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that was one where I was like, this is very good. I never want to see this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and oh, it was God, too Ellen upsetting. So it's such she a is. melodrama. It's like, because when I, that came out when I was like 17 or whatever, and I was like, oh, this is what it's like drug addictions like. And this is what like, you know, <laughs> prostitution and all. This. And then looking back, you're like, well, sort of is. But like, this is so heightened and like yeah. so melodramatic. And that's probably yeah. why I liked it. it yeah. It's I mean, it, I can appreciate it, but I just am like, oh, I cannot do that again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then Mamma Mia, those are good choices, too. I had have no sort of connection to the mu- music of ABBA. Like I could take it or leave it, but yeah. those movies are really fun. They're very fun. Like I'm sort of whatever about them. Um, but I'm like, I mean, you can't deny that's a good time. Like no, listening no, no. to that music and just like watching this very s- silly story. Yeah. Like it's not even around these songs. It's yeah. not even, it's like a premise more than a story. Oh, yeah. It's just like, Oh, what if this woman like slept with three guys and doesn't know who her father is or who the, her baby's father is. And that's it. That's the whole, like, <laughs> you then you sing a bunch of songs. It's, it's great. Um, and it's like when Meryl Streep doesn't take herself too seriously, oh, she's great. It's a dream. She, she's like, she can be effortless. And then in so many movies, she's so effortful. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think she's overrated. Hot take. Ooh, that is a hot take. Yeah. I love Meryl Streep. Um, whatever. She's fine. <laughs> 
Uh, on that note, maybe we should end or, or I'll get canceled. Get yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Ashley, oh my for gosh, thank you. Uh, coming and, and talking about this very confusing movie with me. Well, I'm glad think... that you were as confused as I was. Oh, absolutely. I was like, am I just stupid? No, no, no. It was like, you think you know what's going on and then you're like, this makes no sense. <laughs> um, do you have anything you'd like to plug or where can we find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ashley J. Ward. Uh, also, for Valentine's Day, if you don't have plans... At UCB Sunset, I'm doing a show with John Hartman, uh, who is the definition of high camp, <laughs> JK. Uh, we're doing a show called Cupid Said Yes, which is a Hallmark Valentine's musical, but completely improvised. Oh, it's wow. just he and I, and our accompanist is a guy named Zach Marsh, who has actually scored Hallmark holiday movies. He has done oh my God. the music for them. So it should be really fun. That we, sounds amazing. That's uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, is it 939? Okay. I think nine. Check it out at um, UCB Sunset. Which is in Los Angeles. Yeah. If you're not here, get a plane <laughs> yeah. ticket. You could do it. <laughs> Uh, all right, you can follow us at High Camp Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me at Ruckerbry on Twitter and Instagram. And if you like the podcast, go on Apple Podcasts and rate and review us. Give us five stars, write a nice review, and I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you next week.